the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know what you're trying to say, baby. You're trying to say, oh, yeah, it's business time. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money invested in more. Big story of the day has to be the GDP numbers. With that said, let's bring in Dr. Jeff Rosen, chief economist, briefing.com. Am I right? Is that the big one or is it the, the payrolls? Well, I mean, it's nice to see GDP come in better than expected, but if we're looking for forward-looking indicators, the payroll number that comes out on Friday is a much more apt look at economic growth than what we saw today. Okay. So let's talk about what we saw today, and then we'll talk about Friday a little later in the segment. Sure. 4, 4% GDP growth, was that just some pent-up demand from the first quarter being so cold and wintry? I mean, a lot of it was the restocking of inventories after uh, a nice pullback in in Q1. And and you can possibly blame that on the weather. I don't know how. I mean, you could say that, uh, you know, manufacturers and and wholesalers, you know, and retailers, you know, all of them were unable to receive goods during weather-induced delays. But reality is that you tend to have ups and downs in inventories. So a fall in one quarter is typically made up in the next, and and overall inventory growth is pretty flat, and overall contribution to GDP is zero. So I I wouldn't look at it like that weather was probably the main factor. It's more likely that we just had a restocking of of normal movements. Okay. In the end, second quarter GDP is, it's already, we're already in the third quarter. Is that something, is that the reason that you're not putting a lot of value in it? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to get trends specifically from one quarter of data, especially when you had such a weird number that came out in Q1. If you looked at the second half of last year, we had real final sales uh, up over 3% each quarter in, in Q3 and in Q4. And so far in, in 2014, we've had real final sales down 1% in uh, Q1 and then up, you know, a modest 2%, uh, right around 2% in Q2. To me, that shows that we're not seeing uh, a nice acceleration in economic activity. If you're comparing everything uh, to last year, especially if we were thinking about how the economy was going to perform in 2014, at the end of 2013, everyone was looking at these numbers saying, this is the you know the proof of acceleration. Look, we have this nice solid trend for two quarters. It's going to last into 2014. That wasn't the case. You had a severe pullback, and even though we had a rebound in Q2, you're still below trend on what you were 
uh, in the second half of last year. And if we think that this quarter was due to pent-up demand from weather-related instances in the first quarter, you would have hoped for a real final sales number closer to 4% so that the average of the two quarters would have been, you know, two and a half, two percent, which is still lower than we saw in 2014, but you know, nowhere near what we actually have, which is you know about a one percent growth over the first quarter. Let's talk about the jobs numbers that are coming out on Friday. If they continue to go in the direction of adding jobs, uh, does that mean Janet Yellen's going to be forced to change what she's doing with stimulus, or the two don't go hand to hand? Well, it does and it doesn't. The jobs number that comes out on Friday is not going to change Fed's outlook unless we have a plus 500,000 reading and all of a sudden it translates into huge income growth and huge spending growth, which is unlikely to happen given what we've seen in earnings reports. And from reality is that the job number that we get on Friday is can probably give us more of the same and just give us an idea of you know, what our actual trend is. Are we closer to 300000 a month or are we closer to 200000 a month? I think that uh, uh, the initial claims numbers are pointing towards a 300000 uh, type gain uh, on Friday, which would be, you know, really, really nice. And it would suggest that uh, the gains that we saw in, in June were uh, sustainable. Um, but we'll, we'll have to see. But overall, it, it's leading to show that uh, the economy is pulling itself up and, and it's gaining some traction. That sounds good. Now, as the economy picks itself up and gains some traction, how about inflation? What are we seeing there? Is there any relevant uh, information to discuss? Yeah, I mean, you're hearing a lot of jibber-jabber about inflation, you know, especially since the PC numbers are, are close, or sorry, the CPI numbers were closing in on uh, 2% on the year-over-year -year on the core data. And you got to remember that the CPI is not what the Fed is targeting. The Fed is targeting the PCE numbers that come out of the BEA's GDP data. And that number is generally about a half a point per, uh, below what the CPI runs. So if you're going to think of a target for CPI, you want to think of a target about 2.5%, not 2 So we're still running below what the Fed thinks uh, normal inflation levels should be. So I, I'm not too concerned. Uh, and if you look at income growth, it's still weak. I mean, it's in soft income growth will not allow for strong overall inflation gains. So unless we start seeing a pickup in income and we start seeing that either through more jobs, which you know helps aggregate income or higher wages or you know even better the combination of the two, uh, inflation growth is going to remain tame and I, and I don't see it changing over the next you know 12 months. Anything else that you're working on right now, Dr. Jeff Rosen, that you find material information that might give us some insight into something you're going to publish or something for us to look at? Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out where the employment sector actually is in terms of uh, are we nearing full employment or are we have a long way to go? And you heard this morning on um, CNBC uh, from uh, Mark Zandi of Economy.com from Moody's, um, he was saying that uh, based on job growth, he expects to hit full employment in 2016. And his quote was actually, you know, that we're going to hit at full employment uh, on the election date of 2016. If that's true, then there's certainly slack in the economy, which means that wage growth 
is not going to pick up much until we get closer towards full employment, which means you could have another year or so of slow wage growth. However, if you look at um, in a report that I released um, last week, I believe, we were talking about how you know, there are a lot of job openings and companies are having difficulty time filling them. And that suggests that there's a structural disconnect in the labor force, meaning that we're actually closer to full employment today than we are, uh, you know, according to Zandi. And if that's true, then we should see wage gains, to, you know, over the next few months uh, compared to soft growth. And we should, we should see something, you know, much more substantial. Uh, but it also means less job growth because there's just not enough workers that could fill the jobs that are needed. So it really, you know, which one of that, which one of those theories is correct? Uh, you know, are, are we moving towards slow wage growth, high payroll growth, or are we working towards low payroll growth, high wage growth? And, and that's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, conflict over the next several quarters. Are there any books that you think the average consumer or the average uh, listener can consume? You know, Thomas Friedman books, kind of where we start learning about economics and why it's so important to study in the role of investing. Um, you know, I, I tend to read. You know, if I'm thinking of you know economic books, uh, just the typical ones that you could think of. Like, uh, I think Piketty's book was really good. Uh, that came about about um, inequality. Um, the Freakonomic books I enjoyed, and those are those are kind of old. Uh, I like the Michael Lewis books about um, the stock market and, and you know markets in general. I think he does a good job. But in terms of specific econ, you know, it's kind of a dull subject. So <laughs> if you want to get an idea of what's going on. Read the economic blogs that come out because there's a lot more conflict among conservative and liberal uh, viewpoints, and they get released daily. So there's not, you know, a lag time, and you can get opposing viewpoints pretty quickly. And a lot of the big bloggers will respond to attacks on them. So you know, like Paul Krugman will respond when he gets attacked, and you'll get, you know, similar out of um, Greg Mankiw from Harvard. You know, and, and that's really interesting, gets you an idea of what the academics are thinking. And, and most of it's written for a way that you don't have to be, you know, an economist to understand what they're talking about. And they generally, you know, because their whole goal is to get viewership. So they're they're writing it down in, in layman's terms, which is nice. That is nice. Um, speaking of which, what do you think about the, like, the Paul Kirkman's of the world where he kind of gets viciously attacked on CNBC whenever he comes out? And or he is, you know, he's loved, beloved. Um, is that kind of a sign of the times that you know CNBC will make a star out of economists? Well, you know, it's TV. You know, Paul Krugman is selling an image. You know, that's the reason why he got a huge new contract to go work in the New School in, in uh, New York. It's why you know he's got a New York Times um, page. You know, he's the liberal person that you would expect to see on a, you know, on an MSNBC, you know, type program, and he relishes in that. So if you read his stuff, he has no problem with name calling. Now, when I try to have a discussion, and if I disagree with you, I try not to call people out by names. You know, I, I find it kind of disrespectful, and I think it, it goes against your meeting. But uh, but Paul is not like that. I mean, if you read his stuff, you know, he'll call you a crank, he'll call you a moron, he'll call you, you know, you know, a million things because 
that's what gets his viewership. Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen with an opinion on economic blogs and uh, the writers behind them. You can find Dr. Jeff Rosen at briefing.com. It's briefing.com. I highly endorse. His stuff is digestible and gives very excellent insight and perspective into what's working and not working. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 